I'm Cameron. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. So as you might have noticed, there's a different voice hosting us today, my youngest son, Cameron. Well, welcome, Cameron. And uh, you are taking over the reins, uh, at least for this episode, from your sister. Do you want to tell people why we're doing it and she's not here? Uh, Yes. uh, Olivia is getting married. Getting married. I'm getting a son-in-law. I've had two daughter-in-laws. Now I get a son-in-law. So everything has been directed toward making sure that comes off uh, okay and that uh, everybody's coming into town and those types of things. But we did not want to miss an episode of Just One More Thing because we're so close in our study through First Peter. Today, we're covering the June 25th sermon, On Guard versus On Board. And to start uh, the video clip from The Firm, there was a sort of discrepancy between uh, the situation that um, Tom Cruise's character finds himself in in that movie versus uh, what is written in First Peter about the, the roaring lion. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, what I was trying to do in the sermon was uh, show you that Satan's number one objective is to make sure that believers fail, that believers falter. And a lot of times he comes right at you right out of the gate and there's intimidation in place and all. But I showed that video clip to show the other side of his methodology, which is very subtle. In the clip, uh, the FBI agent was telling Tom Cruise's character that they give you a, a, a nice home. They send your kids to private schools. They do all of these things for you. They set you up to own you, and then they set the hook. And you don't realize what's been done. They don't tell you the truth until it's too late. And so I think Peter's warning is to make sure that you realize that you should be sober, you should be clear-headed, and be aware that we have an adversary, and he roams about just seeking any way he can get a foothold into our lives. So I thought that was a great clip for that, but it does come at it from a little bit different angle than you would expect. So with that in mind, the inclusion of the word roar from Peter's perspective, what do you think the goal of that is, if it's not necessarily indicative of the nature of Satan's attacks against believers? It's interesting that Peter includes that word, that Satan is just not a roaming lion. That sounds, I mean, a lion sounds dangerous in and of itself, but it's tame. And uh, one of the articles I read, they were saying when he invokes roaring, it's like he wants to awaken our senses. He's he's awakened us uh, to read this and to visualize and for this to really connect uh, at the very core of our being, who Satan is, and and not to be mistaken by who he is. And so that's what he's doing by using these very visually as well as auditorily uh, language that wakes us up to who Satan is, because that's what Peter's trying to do, wake people up to realize that we have an adversary. Now, you also used a, a term in this sermon with a bit of a, I guess, trepidation when you said that there was maybe the indication that God had wasted some of his blood on those who did not believe. And obviously there was some challenge around the wording of that. So I I want you to talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, there was some challenge in my own mind. I'd not even thought about this when I went into the pulpit, but where I was going with it, when God says he restores us, he puts us on a firm foundation, what I was going at was God doesn't waste our story. God ends up using us, using our past, using our story to give him honor and glory and to expand his kingdom, to invite other people in to his kingdom. And so I was talking about the efficiency of God in relationship to our our lives. Nothing is wasted in our lives. God can use our gifts, our abilities, our education, our home backgrounds, whether they be good or bad, to further his kingdom and his praise. But when I was up in the pulpit and I said this, I remembered a theological issue that that occurs. And there's a theological issue when when you say tulip. Most of our listeners might know what what tulip is, but the, the L in tulip is limited atonement. And the way people get there is that God is a very efficient God. And if God is an efficient God, then he would not waste his blood. He would not shed his blood for those who would not end up trusting him. So because in the tulip paradigm, because he knows who will be saved, because he's elected them, then he is going to shed his blood because he's efficient only to those who would be saved. I do not agree with that position. My position is unlimited atonement. And I think the reason why is it's true God is very efficient, but there are some cases in Scripture where God lavishly pours on us his love. God doesn't give us enough love to satisfy us. He gives us over an abundance of love. He wastes his love on us. He gives us so much more than we can even comprehend. In the same way, when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he shed his blood for all of humanity. His blood pays the price for all of humanity's sin. However, it's only applied to those who will accept the gift, believing in him for that gift. And so it's available to all, but it's only applied to a few. And so in that moment, I stopped, and and it doesn't happen a whole lot, but it happens sometimes where I say, okay, I knew I was using a provocative word by saying God waste. It's just God expends his love, he expends his blood uh, for those who will reject it and for those who will turn away from it. Uh, Someone might say that that is wasteful, but I think it just goes to the depth of of his incredible love and who, how he looks at humanity. So that was the gut check there. And uh, I was trying to teach a little bit of theology there because uh, we have people coming from various backgrounds and uh, they're trying to process that. Part of this is, I believe, when Scripture says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever will believe on Jesus Christ shall be saved. I believe that is a legitimate offer. It's a an offer to whosoever will, regardless of background, regardless of religion, regardless of uh, birthplace origin. If it was only who God had elected, and if the atonement was limited, in my view, that whosoever will would not be a legitimate offer. It would be a theoretical offer. And and, And my friends who would buy into that limited atonement would say, well, theoretically, if they would have 
you know, but I just think it's a legitimate offer. And I, I oftentimes try to teach our congregation theological concepts to carry with them uh, in addition to going through the Bible verse by verse. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you all for listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.